faithful father who is always watching out for his own. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Oh, I feel like preaching about the father's love this morning. Oh, my God. My God, my God, my God. Oh, no father can love us like our father does. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, your heavenly father might be disappointed in you and abandon you, but not me. Oh, even in your mistakes, I'm loving you. Even in your mistakes, I'm loving you because I am your father. Oh, father, we thank you. Thank you, father. That's for, that word is for someone. Even in your mistakes, he's still loving you. He's still loving you in your mistakes. So all you just need to do is just brush up yourself and go back like the prodigal son and say, Father, I'm home. Father, I'm home. I know I messed up, but your love is everlasting. Father, we thank you. Hallelujah. This morning I'll be sharing on what I titled, Stay in Your Place. Stay in your place. Hallelujah. Stay in your place. We're going to be doing a little bit of Nagio Wild this morning. Hallelujah. We're going to be studying fascinating animal that the Bible talks a lot about. And that animal is the deer. Hallelujah. You know, when I was studying about this, this message, I found that there were 45 scriptures about the deer. Just one animal in the Bible. 45. 45 scriptures. God giving them instructions about the deer. But we'll just take a look at some of the things that I found out about the deer this morning. First of all, it was one of the clean animals that God said that they could eat. So it was edible for food. Second thing I realized, or I, I discovered about the deer was that Solomon talked a lot about the deer in the book of Proverbs and the book of Solomon. He talked a lot about the deer. And he referenced the beauty of the woman to that of a gazelle, which is another type of deer, in Proverbs and Song of Solomon. He talked a lot, you know. The deer is a very beautiful animal. And so the, the, um, Solomon, he, he, he likened the beauty of the bear or the gazelle to that of a woman. The third thing I found out about the deer was about the strength. It was a very strong animal. It is a very strong animal, even though it doesn't look like it. When you look at the deer from afar, you don't, you don't realize. The first thing that will capture you is the, the beauty. But when the time comes for you to demonstrate its strength, you will know that it's also a very, very strong animal. Another thing I found out about the deer is that there were three different individuals that talked almost about the same thing concerning the deer. In 2 Samuel chapter 2, 2 Samuel chapter 2, verse 22, sorry, 2 Samuel chapter 22 and verse 34. And I'll be reading from the NLT. 
Second Samuel chapter 22, verse 34. The Bible says, He makes me as sure-footed as a deer, enabling me to stand on mountain heights. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer, enabling me to stand on mountain heights. In Psalm 18, verse 32 to 33, the psalmist said, God arms me with strength. I was talking about the characteristic of the deer again. And he makes my way perfect. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer. Talking about that, you know, being sure-footed again. Enabling me to stand on mountain heights. It was as if the, it, that, that same word were, were, were duplicated word for word. And then I went to Habakkuk again. And in Habakkuk chapter 3 verse 19, Habakkuk chapter 3 verse 19, it says, The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer, able to tread upon the heights. Three different individuals didn't live at the same time, didn't live around, the, you know, about the same time, but said the same thing verbatim about the deer and likening it to God's strengthening us. Hallelujah. Some weeks ago, I was watching, I happened to stumble on a video about a deer who, it was a BBC video about a deer who defied the law of gravity. And, you know, it was very fascinating they were just watching how the deer was climbing a dam. Now, if you have an idea of how a dam looks like, a dam is a very straight, is a straight like structure. It's not curved, it's not anything. So you can imagine something like this and someone is defying the law of gravity and walking on it. Now, the reason why that deer was climbing that rock or the rock that they used to construct the dam was because they said that the dam contained minerals. The rocks used to, con to construct the dam contained minerals that had been dissolved in water. And these minerals were rich in calcium, necessary for the deer to stay strong. It was rich in calcium, necessary for the deer to stay strong. Now, they also now checked out... the. At the end of the, the video, they looked, they, there were other deers that were climbing that same, that same dam. And they said that these deers will climb the dams despite the difficulty and the risk of falling to their death to get to those minerals. Without these salts and minerals, their bones won't grow and their muscles and nervous system will not function. And it will impact adversely on their movement and coordination. So they needed those rocks. They needed those salts. And they would do whatever. They, they were equipped. They were, you know, by God to climb, to defy the law of gravity and climb so that they can get all that they need to survive and to thrive. In that same video, they now showed a baby there that was following the mother on that same dam. And all the mother did was just lead. And the baby followed. There was nobody holding on to the, 
the baby to say, okay, don't take this side. Just follow this side, and then you'll be fine. And it was very high down. No questions asked. They, he just kept following the mother. I'm going somewhere. Just, just stay with me. Now, when they show the height of that dam from the bottom, when I saw, because they had to let us realize, because when they said it defied the law of gravity, they zoned it to that dam, to the there. So we didn't understand what they meant until they showed the dam from the bottom. And I was like, no, this is mad. Only, only God can make a creature to walk like this. It was madness. At least that dam would be like 30 meters or equivalent of 98 feet high. Try and farm from 98 feet. And that's the lowest dam you can have. Because I did more research and I said, okay, so what is the, the, the shortest dam you can have? And they said the shortest dam is about 30 meters, which is 98 feet. A medium-sized dam, don't mind me, I like, I like research. A medium-sized dam is about between 30 feet and um, 30 meters and 100 meters. That is between 98 feet and 328 feet. And then a high dam is above 328 feet. And this deer was oblivious of the height. I mean, you know, you can imagine if you, if they tell you to climb a 98 feet structure with your bare hands, you will look at the person and say, there's something wrong with you, obviously. But a baby there was climbing at least a 98 feet dam without any straps, nothing, just following the lead of the mother. And we've talked about the strength of the deer. The strength of, their deer, of the deer is in their legs. When you look at it, like I said, it doesn't look strong. That's the way God created it. That's what they call beauty and strength. The second thing I found out about the deer, apart from his strength, is his precision. According to research, they said that the deer or the hind, depending on which one you're looking at, can place its back feet exactly where the front foot stepped without any inch off. That means if it took the, the front leg like this, the back one, when it is moving it, it is going to the exact same place where the front left. Not one inch amiss. It is so precise. So precise that it will work with an accuracy that is defying logic. Another thing you find out that when it, in time of danger, they are so fast. They have speed. That when a lion wants to chase a deer or a cheetah wants to chase, if you've watched, you know, animals chasing themselves, when a lion wants to chase a deer, he knows he has to run fast because they have so much ability, so much speed. 
it will amaze you. The way they will run. And they are, they are so quick. You know some people, you, they will be booting. They will be booting before they move. Immediately a deer senses danger. It moves. It doesn't have a time for booting. Another thing I found out about the deer is that it's able to scale unusually difficult terrain. Unusually difficult terrain. Now, where am I going with all of this? Just like the deer, the Lord knows everything that concerns you. And he has created you with traits and characteristics like we're discussing about the deer. We're talking about the fact that the deer is precise. We're talking about the fact that the deer is beautiful. We're talking about the fact that the deer has strength. We're talking about the fact that the, the deer is able to react to situations, negative situations, with, you know, with, with speed. Just the same way, God has created us and equipped each and every one of us with our own unique mental ability. He has created us with our pe peculiar physical construct. When you look at different people, they, they don't look the same way, even though we are all humans, yeah? We have different physical construct. Some of us are thick. Some of us are very slender. Some of us have thick legs. Some of us have very slim legs. Some of us have long necks. Some of us have round necks. Different physical constructs. God has equipped us with emotional strength and human relationships. Every single one of us, we've been equipped with mental ability, physical construct, emotional strength, and human relationships. Why? For us to be able to thrive in the place where he has placed us part time. In the place where God has placed us part time. Remember we're talking about stay in your place. Now, anywhere God places you, that is where he has made provision for you to be taken care of and to flourish. Anywhere God places you. That's where he has made provision for you to be taken care of and to flourish. Now, God will place us in different places. When God created you and he placed you in that family, he didn't make a mistake. You know, some people say, ah, I don't even know why God put me in this family. He's the all-wise one. He didn't make a mistake. He placed you in that family because of a reason. Sometimes you will find yourself in a particular school. I remember when I wanted to get into the university. And I wanted to study medicine. So my first job 
my score wasn't high enough to go into medicine in UI. So my aunt helped me to get um, admission in Lasso. Fisheries and aquatic biology. And I was like, no, 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 no. I can't do this, no. Admission letter, I got admission letter. Brought it to my house. I didn't even have to beg anybody. They brought it home. I said, no. My father was raking. He was shouting at me. You this ungrateful child. The thing that people are looking for. I said, no. I can't do aquatic biology. No. It just doesn't, it wasn't sitting with me. So my father took me to, then one of my aunties was working in Jamba office. So my father took me to her and I said, she, she, she should talk sense into my head. Because this girl is not correct in the head. I can't somebody get admission and they refuse to go. So she called me, sat me down and spoke to me. And after she spoke to me, counseled me, she said, what's my decision? And I said, I'm not doing, I'm not going to Vilasso. She said, okay, so what's your plan? I said, I'll do jump again. By the time I, they told my, she told my dad, my father just flipped and he just abandoned my kiss. He said, you know what? I'm done. Whatever you like, do with your life. Now, where am I going? If I had gone to Lasso, I probably wouldn't be here today. That's the honest truth. Because I do not see how my ways and that of my husband would have met. Because he went to UI. We met on campus. So God will place you sometimes in institutions. He will place you in companies, in organizations. He will place you even in churches because of a purpose. Because all his plan, all his thoughts is what? To give you a future. To give you an end. And so when he's constructing your life and your direction, you need to begin to understand and begin to take notice so that you will not walk out of your place. You see, some people say, ah, I don't know. This country, ah, there was a day somebody was like, I don't know how, why God just put me in this country. Why did he just, I, Hallelujah. Do you know that they found out that of all the most resilient people in the world are Nigerians? We're so resilient. We will die there. <laughs> exactly on what you believe. Hey. You don't see that you don't sit down there. It's only when they believe that money will come out of here. Tell them that they are going to clean poopoo. They will clean. They, they, will not, they will not see the poopoo. They are seeing the dollars. They can withstand even difficult environment. Why? Because they were, they were trained here. What, what was, how was can it be? You are stayed in a house where there is no light, no water. You went to school with hardship. You trek kilometers inside the rain. 
Even our auntie my NYC is there. Undadare na anindi. You can see our, our construct. Like somebody would say in Yoruba language, we are so resilient. So when we get there, that's why we, we, we amaze people. We just shine like stars. Somebody was saying something, that if you take Nigerian doctors out of the U.S., the U.S. healthcare system will crash in days. So God did not make any mistake. You may not end up here, but he started you here for a purpose. You know, sometimes when God is molding you and putting you in your location, setting you up in your place, it may be unplanned for. In fact, it may be without your consent or first, just like Joseph. You know, Joseph was fine boy, son of a rich man. But God showed him a dream. And that dream would need some molding. It would need some panel beating. It would mean some shaping and some uncomfortableness. And so after God had you know, trained him at home, trained him to understand the power of honoring God because he had to understand that if he did not have that understanding when he gets into Egypt he will mess up so God grounded him at home he knew the power of integrity telling the truth and standing by it when his brothers were messing up he went to the daddy daddy Aproko, daddy these people are doing this that's why they didn't like him because it was telephone without wire Bami, I know something. He will tell. So he had, under, he had come to appreciate truth. And he had paid for it. I'm sure they would have beaten him black and blue before. Is it you that went to tell that they are Don't come to the field. Just don't come to the field today. If not, you will die. And he had withstood all of those. He had come to understand the father, the God of his father's. He had come to believe in him. And so God said, it's time. And pushed him out. First of all, as a slave. But everything, had, it was a pattern. It was a journey. And then pushed him. Took him to Potiphar's house. Where he learned about administration. And then they promoted him. He began to understand leadership. But all of those were in unsavory circumstances and environment. Even though he was learning leadership, even though he was learning business administration, but in the context of what, where he was learning it, he didn't like it. Because he, even though he was learning administration, he was a slave. He was learning leadership, but he was still a slave. They could kill him at any time. And then to Pharaoh's prison. Remember I said four things. God will give you what? Mental ability. Physical construct. Emotional strength. And then human relationships. And he had to get those human relationships in the prison. 
Because he needed to reach the butler and the baker. And when it was time, he became the prime minister. Now, if that is not favor, I don't know what else it is. Because we have seen people that have ideas, and they will take the idea, and the best that they will give you is your freedom. They didn't need to make him a prime minister. He was a bloody slave. And a foreigner that. But you see, that is you being, things being orchestrated by God, but he had to stay in his place. He could have decided to do jailbreak. I miss. But he would never get into the fullness of that which God had planned for him. So sometimes, eh, when some environments are not, on, that when they are not savory, when they are not good, it doesn't mean that you should think or escape. That the environment is not savory does not necessarily translate to escape. You need to be wise about these things. You need to learn to stay in your place. Because God is doing something. Hallelujah. And you know the thing about it is that God doesn't tell us everything. Which is why we get so agitated. I was having a conversation with my colleagues last week, maybe like Wednesday. And I realized, as I was talking, I realized that my life's journey... It was like a pattern. It, 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 I could see, by virtue of hindsight, I, was, I could now see what God was orchestrating. By that time, it didn't sound funny. When I joined the bank, I came in as an HR person, and after a, a while, they felt it was time for me to move out of HR, and then they moved me to private banking. When I was moved to private banking, I was very, very upset. I was, I was really upset. I was very sad. I mean, every emotion, name it, I, I went through it. The only thing I didn't go into was total depression, but I, I think I was on the verge of depression, but the Lord helped me. But one thing I learned in that place, I learned how to invest. I was the kind of person that I just put my money in my account. I don't have any, if you come and ask me for money, I'll borrow you. If you return it, we thank God. If you don't return it, mm. And I lost money. I lost, I lost a lot. I lost huge, humongous. I can't, I can't tell you how much I lost by just borrowing people money. But when I got to private banking, a few of my colleagues were talking about you know, them investing. And I was like, ah, do you, how can you invest in this place? He says, for big boys. They said, ah, don't worry now. If you have small money, we can help you. We just put it under those big boys' own. And when the interest comes, we return your own to you, blah, blah, blah. And so I started... I learned how to invest in that place. Remember that they took me there without my consent, right? But God helped me there. And I met people. I had relationships that people that helped me to begin to take charge of my finances because I didn't know how to take charge of my finances. I knew how to save, but I did not know how to keep my money wisely. After a while, they took me out of there and took me to retail bank. I was furious, as in I was livid, because I was beginning to enjoy what I was doing. I was beginning to bring an account. I was getting comfortable. 
And then they took me to private uh, to retail banking to start all over again. Stripped me of all my accounts. Told me to start afresh from ground zero. And I was so mad. And then I met some colleagues too who, like that, they brought us from different places and we were talking. And one day we were talking, one of them was the head of salaries or something. They too, she too, she has been moved to marketing. And so one day we were just talking about, you know, investment, houses, you know, things that we do in the bank, blah, blah, blah. And she was talking about NHF. And I said, NHF. She said, do you have your card? I said, which card? She said, but they, they deduct it from your account every, every month. I said, eh, how much is it? Small money. Konilo, those chicken money. He said, but you need to take your card. You need to get your card. I said, they didn't give me. I didn't ask. Ah. She said, do you want it? It's very important. So in future, you can get your money back. I said, I don't know how to get it back. She said, okay, no problem. Since she was the former head of salaries, she just made a call. And they sent card to me straight. I filled it. I kept it. It didn't look like it was important. But I kept it. Fast forward. We wanted to get, it was time, my husband just says, he says that we should get a, our own accommodation, our own place. And we started doing some things, looking out for places and all of that. And then we got to this particular mortgage bank, and while we were talking with them, he said, ah, that in fact, we help people to get NHF loan. And I'm like, eh, you can get loan. I said, how much? He said, 15 million. I said, 15 million. He said, yes, do you have a card? I said, I have. If I, I didn't even know where I kept that card because I just, it didn't look as if it was going to be important. Fast forward maybe like six years or so down the line, that card became very important. What am I saying? Sometimes God will move you. It may look like it doesn't make sense. It may look uncomfortable. But there is a purpose for everything. I wanted to leave the bank as at that time when they were moving, but somehow things did just gel. It just didn't pan out. God needed me to reach, to meet that particular person because of the future he was planning. Tell your neighbor, stay in your place. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, if you look at the story of Isaac, you know, I was sharing with my husband this morning, you know, Sometimes we used to think that Isaac actually moved from, you know, the land of the Philistines. He wanted to go to Egypt. But that wasn't true. If you look at Genesis 26, verse 1 to 13, and then look at Genesis 25, 11, Isaac, after Isaac buried his father, he was in Canaan. And then after his father died, he went to a place called Beer... I didn't really Halorai or something. Haleroy. Larai Hoy, okay. He went there and he, he established himself there, still within Canaan, okay, but another part of Canaan. Now, I, we found out that that place was where Hagar went and where God met with her when she was running away from Sarah after she had messed up. So that was where Isaac was, and then there was famine. And he decided that, you know what, let me, let me go to, Philist, to the land of the Philistines. So he upped, left where he was, and he went to the land of the Philistines. And he stayed there. And then the famine was severe. It was, it was like it was coming, you know. So he decided that, you know, <laughs> let's, let's go to Egypt now, you know. 
After all, my father went to Egypt when there was famine, so there's no big deal. So remember, he had come from one particular place. He was in the land of the Philistines, and he was about to leave that place again to Egypt. And then God said, "Mm -mm, stop. Stop. Don't do this anymore. Stay here. Stay here. And, you know, I used to think that it was in the land of Philistines. It was in Gera. But if you look at that scripture very well, if you read it, you will realize that he wasn't part of them because the Bible said that when he began to get, you know, when he got there, they asked him about his wife. And he said, she's my sister. So if she, he had actually been living among them, they would have known that Rebecca was his wife. But it was a stranger. He had moved from where he was. He had emigrated to the land of Philistines. And he was thinking of moving again. And God said, mm -mm, stay here. And in that land of famine, we know the story. He became the richest man. So much so that even his host started to envy him. Then they started doing beef for him. You open it well, they'll, dig, they'll, they'll block it. Open another, dig another, they'll block it. Say, we finish you here. You better go, you better leave. I'm sure if it was today, we would have had a lot of people, you know, in, interviewing um, Joseph and Isaac. We would have seen them on the Forbes list, 30 below 30, 40 below, you know, there's not all those things that they're doing. They would have been raving. They would have thought that, oh, wow, these people are, you know, excellent people. But they, stood, they stayed in their place. The reason why people know them is because they stayed in their place. Now, if you look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 11 to 12, just go with me. It may look as if I'm rambling, but I'm going somewhere. Genesis chapter 1, 11 to 12, and 20 to 25. Then God said, let the land sprout with vegetation. Every sort of seed. I'm talking about Genesis 1, okay? Every sort of seed-bearing plant and trees that grow seed-bearing fruit. These seeds will then produce the kind of plants and trees from which they came. And that is what happened. The land produced vegetation, all sorts of seed-bearing plants and trees with seed-bearing fruit. Their seeds produced plants and trees of the same kind. And God saw that it was good. Verse 20. Then God said, let the water swarm with fish and other life. Let the skies be filled with birds of every kind. Remember, let the waters swarm with fish. Let the skies be filled with birds. So God created great sea creatures and every living thing that scurries and swarms in the water and every sort of bird, each producing offspring of the same kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God blessed them, that's 22, saying, be fruitful and multiply. Let the fish fill the seas and let the birds multiply on the earth. And evening passed and morning came, marking the fifth day. Verse 24, then God said, let the earth produce every sort of animal, each producing offspring of the same kind, livestock, small animals, the scurry along the ground, and wild animals. And that is what happened. 25, God made all sorts of wild animals, livestock, and small animals, each able to produce offspring of the same kind. And God saw that it was good. If you look at this scripture very well, God was specific in the location of every animal. He said, let the fish be in the sea. Let the birds be in the air. 
let the animals be on the ground. And that was how God created each and every one of them. He put an instinct in them for them to understand and realize and stay in their natural habitat. There was that instinct in them that he put in them for everyone to understand their natural habitat and stay there and flourish there. Now, you would also realize with me that we have some birds that we call migrant birds. And when it is time for these birds to migrate, they don't go anywhere. They have a particular place in mind. There's something in them that wakes them up and says it's time. There's no public announcements, no CNN news, no WhatsApp broadcast, no Insta Live, saying all birds here, ye, here, ye. It's time for us to make our annual migration to the warm winds. Let all birds that are here, let them hear what the general announcement is saying. None. But when it is time, they just know. And they move together in a particular direction to a particular place. They will fly thousands of kilometers in a particular direction to a particular place. Please, what is the GPS that is directing them? It is that instinct that God has put inside them. Same with bears. When it is winter time, they just know it is time to hibernate. And they will find a place and shut down. Why is it that human beings that God has created in his image and in his likeness have a problem with finding their location and staying in their place? Why? Because we choose not to listen and gay obeys our life by what we see on the outside. We are always comparing ourselves with one another. We are always judging our success or lack of success by referencing another person. We are always referencing other people. Oh, somebody said, I thought the... No, it wasn't somebody. I, 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 it was something that came to my mind. I said, I thought the grass was green on the other side until I got there and I found out it was artificial grass. We keep looking out but fail to look in. The Bible says it is not in man to direct his own ways. So if you ask me, how do I know the place of my provision? Or how do I know whether I am in my place of provision? You know, our father is very good. The instinct he has put in the animals, he has given us the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our own instinct. He's our help. 
John 14, verse 15 to 18, Jesus said, If you love me, obey my commandments. How many obedience do we have in the house? Pardon the word. How many of you obey? If you love him, are you obedient to his, to his, to his instruction? He says, if you love me, then you will obey me. 16, I will ask the father and I will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads you into all truths. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. That was before we got the Holy Spirit. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. What a blessed assurance that we have the Holy Spirit in us to help us, to guide us so that we will not, we will not make a mess of our lives. So that we will get the best of life. Somebody said, you think you are doing well. Let God open the veil for you to see how well you would have done if you had obeyed. Then you will know that what you have is dust. You don't know how far you would have gone. Oh, you have a house, you have a car, blah, 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 and you are, you know, feeling good with yourself. Let God just open the veil for you and see that you are supposed to be a controller of men. Then you will see that what you have is actually chaff. It's not the real McCoy. But men are hailing you. Sometimes it may not even be the money. It is the fact that you are in that particular organization to raise men that are going to be future leaders in the society. That when they call your name, five of them will say, no, that was my boss, that was my boss, that was my boss. I am here because of this person. Your life is not about you alone. You need to realize that and stay in your place of assignment and ordination. When you determine to, you know, to, to, to choose your own life's journey, you stray from your ordained position. And even if you don't know it, you are struggling. And things might be a bit hard for you. Because this, wherever God places you is the best place for you. Is the best place for you. Whether it is that company that are not paying you well and you're asking, what am I doing here? My mates are in big places. What am I doing here? I remember when I got my first job with a master's degree, I was earning 20,666 naira, 67 kobo, with a master's degree. As at that time, my, my mates in the bank were earning 50k. And I was angry. Master's degree. But trust me, I would never trade that experience for anything today. That place grounded me and gave me a footing. That when I got into the presence of kings, I knew what to do. But it didn't look like it that time. Because I felt I was being shortchanged. I was the only one that had the master's degree and I was upset. Because this is where I'm starting from. 
grateful at first, but then upset later. You know how it is when you first of all are looking for a job. You get it. You are happy. After six months, you are angry. God can't satisfy us. The same job that was a testimony will later become a prayer point. Hallelujah. When you stay in your place, you will enjoy the best that God has for you. Trust me. It may not look like it, but by the time you move and God and you look back, you will see that wow, how I thank you, Father, for making me go through this. And we look and look at a sad story of someone who did who chose not to follow the place that God wanted him to be. Elimelech. In the book of Ruth chapter 1. I dare to say, I may be wrong, but I dare to say that the reason why Elimelech's name even came out in the Bible was because of Ruth. Because they had to reference somebody. Elimelech, a man of Bethlehem, a man of covenant, rose up when there was famine. You know, it's, it's so funny. It's not, it's not today. And they say, Jackpot, it has been day, even in the Bible days. They have been jackpying left, right, and center. Some go to Egypt, this some go to Moab, this some go to... Everybody's just going anywhere. Anywhere Belefis. So this one, you know, Isaac was Philistine, then Egypt. No, Abraham was Egypt. Isaac was Philistine. Hmm. Brother Elimelech, his own was Moab. Not be today. He don't say. He took his two sons, himself and his wife, to Moab in search of greener pastures. After 10 years, only Naomi returned. Elimelech died in the land without covenant. And so did his sons. Naomi went out full, came back empty. May it never be our lot in the name of Jesus. Looking for a better life. The same people that they left behind, then they heard that God had done them well. There's nobody that God doesn't have a plan for. So if you think oh, you're leaving some people behind, hey, God is not there, God is not, they are doing well. God will take care of his own. Every one of his children. That's why you don't need to envy anybody. God will take care of you. He is a father. I remember one particular time, a friend of mine came back from the UK. He came to bury his mom. And he saw me and we we're just talking. And he said, Shadi, do you know what? The only thing that I would say I miss from Nigeria is malaria. I'm telling you the honest truth. He said, 